Hello and welcome to episode two of Trash or Treasure. I'm Kim. I'm Amy. And you are listening to the podcast where we give you our honest and most importantly spoiler free reviews and recommendations for romance novels. We will tell you if they are trash or treasure. Doesn't mean you shouldn't read them either way. It just tells you what kind of mood they might Absolutely. apply to. Yeah. We're here just to give you a little bit of guidance. And this week we are looking specifically at the mother of the romance novel, or at least of the modern romance Absolutely. novel. Absolutely. Georgette Heyer. Or Heyer. I've never really worked out how to pronounce her surname. No idea. But you'll know who we mean. H-E-Y-E-R. Correct. Mm. Georgette Heyer is incredibly prolific, and I think I've got about mm, 35 of her novels on my bookshelf at home. I have not read many that many of them. <laughs> well, we would hunt book fests for them yes. as kids. Yeah. Georgette Heyer was writing from the early 1920s until when she died in the 1970s. Her early novels are all tend to be set pre-French Revolution up to and so including the French Revolution. Like so about the 17... 1750s, yeah, Louis cool. the 15th era with yeah. Madame Le Pompadour and those types of historical figures in Versailles. We're going to talk today about a early Georgia Heyer novel. Her the, second novel. Her second novel, mm. which was generally agreed to just be a reworking of her first novel. And we're going to talk about one of her much later novels. So one is set pre-Regency and one is set during the Regency period. Heyer is really interesting because she wrote detective novels as well, but her romance novels are considered to be the most superlative of her writing. And what's really fascinating about her was she was a voracious researcher. So whereas when you read like a Jane Austen novel, Jane Austen does not mention anything about the world or the costumes or anything like that unless it's absolutely relevant to the plot. Whereas Heyer was a meticulous researcher, kept copious notes. So she has her characters go bargain hunting, for instance, and she is able to create, because of that knowledge, this really, really rich, detailed and immersive world. Yes, and they are historically accurate worlds. Yes, they are. Um, And I know that whatever her... Is it in... An infamous, an infamous army. army. That's the one that has the recount of the Battle of Waterloo that is so historically accurate from a military standpoint. It's used as a reading in universities. Officer College in yes. the UK. So that's like her level of detail is quite spectacular. And, and the other thing, accurate. the kind of, then if you look at it from a narrative perspective rather than from a historical perspective, mm. is because she had that adherence to sort of the truth of the era in which she was setting her narratives, they are very more heavily male-centric than female-centric. Yeah, so, so you she... always have... the Yeah, the male characters tend to... The voice, the male voice is much more front and centre and the female voice is almost... I'd say it's probably, in most of her novels, a 60-40 split. Absolutely. But the main... The protagonist in her novels is very often more the male Man, character. Yep, and his cronies rather than... Unless the there are there are some novels where the female character is highly independent yes. and in that sense she sort of occupies that male sphere yes but we were talking the other day about how George at higher audiobooks are often read by men yeah absolutely yes unless there's a couple where the female like I just said and those but, are read yeah. by female but it's really quite interesting and it is indicative of of the era because women didn't have access to money you were in every literal sense, reliant, particularly in that aristocratic, high-born kind mm. of circles, you were reliant on a man. Are you Let's, ready to I'm, move on? I'm ready to review and recommend some books. I Sorry about that. promised we would keep it short. Okay, two books we're going to talk about today. One is These Old Shades. The other book that we're going to review is Frederica. They're very two very different books. They're set in two completely different periods and they have two completely different heroines and the, the heroes are, in a very generic sense, out of the same strong 
yeah. masculine characters. Yeah. But that's but there's sort an of... important difference Absolutely. in these old shades. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about these old shades first. Great. So I'll do your recap. Are you ready? Your spoiler-free summary of the plot. Well, it's more of an introduction to the plot because obviously I don't want to spoil anything. These old shades, it's set in about 1750. It crosses from England to France and back again. Yeah. So this is an era where men powdered their hair and women wore big wigs and yes, big well, men, skirts. Men wore and... wigs as well in this era. Yes. And heels and patches and all sorts of things. So, the English Duke of Avon rescues a young woman masquerading as a boy in the streets of Paris. He immediately sort of identifies or, you know, hints at for the reader to some kind of connection between the young Leon when she's being a boy and Leone when she's being a girl. There is tone in your voice. There sure is. (laughs) And the family of the Duke's sworn arch enemy. Is it clear at this point why they're swatch enemies, sworn arch enemies? Yes. It's explained in, like, chapter two or chapter three. And it's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Oh, no, spoilers. I'm not going to recommend this book. (laughs) So, anyway, the Duke then spends literally the rest of the book manipulating events and people to finally secure 20-year-old revenge against his rival. And And that's kind of it really that's like honestly in terms of spoiler free that's all that happens but Kimberly it sounds as if there is no heroine in this book from this synopsis that you've given how can it be a romance novel it's not really about her so in the process of manipulating and exploiting this woman Leone in order to exact revenge on his rival they fall in love apparently she's in love with him from the beginning but her love for him from the very beginning and this is not a spoiler it's on like page 7 is the type of worshipping adoration that someone has for someone who's rescued them. And it never mm. changes. Not once, not for a minute. She never questions him. She never thinks twice. She never... Anything like that. She has this unwavering... Like, there's a line in the book where she actually says, I am as his dog and he can oh, beat me and use me yes! as he sees fit. She does she say sure that. Says that. I can't believe I'd forgotten that. She this book sure has given that. us a lot of very strong feelings. Mm-hmm. I've read this book just the one time. Yeah. Um, it did not leave me with the sensation that I really want to read it again. And so I reread of, it very recently. <laughs> one of the challenges I have with this book is I just don't like any really any of the characters. No, I, I like do I. There's a couple supporting characters. I don't mind the But the way the that brother. they then interact with the main characters I feel like undermines my liking of them. Yeah. So the other important thing that is also very very obvious from the beginning so therefore is spoiler free but is a massive issue for me in this book is he is about the Duke of Avon is about 43 he's mid 40s he's mid 40s and Leone is 18 or 19 but she doesn't behave like an 18 or 19 year old she behaves like a 14 year old and she has been masquerading as a boy for 9 years at the start of the play a play and the start of the book well the use play it feels a bit like it's highly melodramatic you could see it you know, with, like, banging gunshots and things like that. And, you know, she's a pantomime boy. But the other issue is there's no... So we were talking um, the other day comparing these characters to other books where there are significant age differences. And the one that came to mind is Emma, Austen's Emma. Yes. Where Knightley Knightley is is 16 years older than Emma, and they do discuss it. And they also grew up together, so he knew her when... Like, he was a young adult when she was born. Yes. But it doesn't seem to matter in that novel because she doesn't act 
like a petulant child and he never calls her he calls her by her name he just calls her emma all the time whereas in these old shades he avon spends the whole time not calling leone leon or leone but calling her my child and so it's infant. just he so... calls her the infant and, and my infant but the other thing is so other people might read this and i have many friends who have read this book particularly much much older women yeah who have read it and loved it it's their yes. favorite georgia hayer book and so it might be a generational thing it might be that i just can't come at it but he is the duke of avon is obsessed with their age difference He's the one who brings it up all the time. She never brings it up all the time. And he emphasizes he it by em- the language yes, he uses. The langu- it. And when, at one point, plot device, plot device requires that, you know, he, Leone and the Duke's much younger brother both disappear at the same time, Ooh. and everyone says elopement, elopement, the Duke himself is like, well, they say the young find the young, don't they? Like, it's, you know, and they said, but she adores you. She would never. She adores you. And he's like, well, I had thought that too, but... Obviously, age wins out, doesn't it? So he is just so focused for the whole book on the fact that he is so, so, so much older than she is. And for me, it just means as a reader, I can't forget. I don't forget for one second that she is this immature little baby who knows nothing of the world, despite having lived quite a tumultuous childhood that gave her quite a exposure to like the underbelly of Paris right Mm. and yet she is still this kind of really easily swept along creature and everyone the other things that they call him his nickname is Santanas and they talk a lot about all the the awful things the devil and they talk a lot about all the awful things that he does and has done in his in the earlier part of his life just to be he's not crafted as a nice or likable person and his actions are not nice or likable everything he does for Leone again is emphasized all the way through the book to be about revenge he manipulates her and keeps it a secret from her and in the end even the ending Mm. is not and again no spoilers but for me even at the end it ended too harsh for the guy who was his rival so the guy who is his rival yeah it ends very harsh when what Yes, and huh. normally in in a romance novel, if you're going to have quite a harsh comeuppance for a character, for a, you know your um, antagonist character, then then that has to be kind of justified. And yeah. I don't feel that it is in this book. Like literally, their rivalry was born of the Duke of Avon wanting to pursue this other guy's sister, and him being like, "No, because you're a like scoundrel." When he was like twenty, when he was twenty, and they were both twenty, and he was like, "Oh, okay, I just wanted to court her. That's it." And then the stupid rival guy came around and tried to beat him up and he didn't effectively do it because the Duke defended himself and so the Duke sort of beat him really badly. And the end, that was it. And now he's held this to his chest for 20 years and, and it ruining... motivates all of his actions. Yes. And so I don't think a... that, I just don't feel like his rival deserves what he gets. It's a problematic book. It's a problematic mm. premise when we as readers are supposed to ship two characters together, which is ultimately what you want to do in a romance novel. Absolutely. You, you want, want them to get together. You want the two characters to belong together because they belong together. And ultimately, I would say, and that was my one takeaway, I think, from my most recent reread of this, is that I, and I wanted to do this review, and I wanted to do this reread, because I read it when I was a lot younger. And I know, as we all do when we're younger, you're at university, and you're, like, all full of feminism. Idealistic. You're idealistic about how the world's going to work, and how you're going to change it, and how people should treat each other, blah, blah, blah. And when I read this book, I was like, no, no, he's mean and she's oppressed and this isn't okay. And I thought, well, maybe with my older understanding that there's more than one way to have a relationship. And yes, those things are still things, but I can also put that aside to just enjoy something sometimes. I cannot with this book. 
No. And <laughs> it was not. It was not fervent, university-fueled feminism. It's just... By the end of it, I was like, yeah, you kind of do deserve each other. You do, because she's stupid. She's just stupid. I just find that, that the biggest challenge for me in terms of the characters in this book, other than the age difference, is that, I, that from the beginning to the end, I don't feel that they grow. Not at all. And that There's no is arc. really problematic. And that's what I kept waiting for. I kept waiting for her to question something, to demand more than just the scraps thrown from his table. Or I expected him to turn around and go, you should ask for more than scraps thrown from someone's table. You deserve more. You're yes. better. So even if that mm. kind of, even if, you know, from a realistic standpoint, given the era, that kind of revelation moment had to come from him rather than from her, I could have even sort of come at that, but it doesn't happen. And so so she's, you know, I love you. And he's like, I like you too, little infant. And they get married yeah. and it's gross. So we've sort of blended a lot of it into this discussion of the plot. I would, yeah. Yeah, I would, would you not, recommend this book? I would not recommend this book. I will never read it again. I've given it all the chances I intend to give it. And my number one reason, I think, for me in the end was where we started. I just didn't like anybody. I didn't like mm. him. I didn't like her. I don't like the way they treat each other. I feel like they deserve each other, but that I don't need to know about it. I don't recommend it either, but want to engage with Georgette High and you would really like to see the development of her writing. This was her second book. It's a very, very, very early book. I'd probably call it the lowest point of her writing. I would agree. If you are feel like a bit of a purist, read it because it's part of her oeuvre. I can never say that word. I don't know what you're trying to say, so... You know, like collected works. It's part of her body of work. Yes. And it, for purely academic interests, otherwise, eh, don't bother. And perhaps if you do bother, scan the first third because really nothing happens until she gets kidnapped. <laughs> That's not a spoiler. You can see that coming a mile away. What about... Page seven. <laughs> and they just make you read 400 chapters before you get there. It's not that many, but yeah. you know what I mean. Flick, 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 skip to the end, move to next book. Yes. Which we will do now. And yes, Frederica. Probably hit by the change in our tone, um, <laughs> that this book is a high point of Georgia High's writing. It is a high point, actually. I really enjoy Frederica. Anyway, yes. that's too far. Too f- we always get ahead of ourselves. We apologise. Okay. Give us a summary right. that is spoiler-free. Frederica is a young woman. She's the oldest sister of a family of three brothers and one stunningly gorgeous sister. But her father was a bit of a scandalous dude, spent a lot of the family's fortune. They've got an estate, which her elder brother, her younger brother inherited, but they don't have any money. So she moves to London, the grumpy old aunt, as a chaperone, and goes and essentially knocks on the door of the very, 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 very distant 12th cousin, the Marquise of Alverstoke, and tries to persuade him to hold a ball to introduce her beautiful younger sister to society. In the hopes that she will marry well and yes. therefore save the family from death. Absolutely. Alverstoke, he has a posse of sisters who he doesn't particularly like, and one of them is nagging him to hold a ball to introduce her rather plain eldest daughter to the world. He has a sister-in-law who is also nagging him to hold a ball to introduce her daughter to the world. He decides mostly to annoy his sisters, to hold the ball and to irritate them, reveal this yes, gorgeous, this gorgeous and Frederica's ball. younger yes. sister. In the course of the novel, their relationship develops because Alverstoke ends up having to dig them out of lots of scrapes. Yeah, Frederica, and that's kind of it, isn't it? So Frederica it's kind of gets into lots of like it's very funny. They're, they have a, this. Yeah, it is quite a comedic book, and she wants to look after her family. That's her main kind of drive is to look yeah. after her family at whatever cost. And if that cost is to her own pride, she's 
happy for that to be the cost. Yeah. So she and I really not... like that. She doesn't go, I can't do it because I'm too proud. She just yes. is like, well, it's for the best of my family. So she's immediately I'm going to go really knock on this character. random stranger's, complete stranger's door, claim some very distant relation. <laughs> yes. And he then... for lols goes, all right, let's do it. But she has two younger brothers. So one's 16, Jessamy, and the other is 12, Felix. And they get Alverstoke into an extraordinary number of entanglements and scrapes. So Frederica is the story of a young woman looking after her family, trying to find love for Everyone her younger sister. Herself. And in the process, sort of losing sight of herself. Yes. It is just, it is a laugh out loud book. As I was re-reading it again, I just had about six or seven moments where I just had to put it down and just let have myself a have a big old giggle. Mm. And then come back to it it's delightful the writing is just bubbly yes there are so many like even the annoying sisters are funny you mm-hmm. can and have redeemable. A them. They're also yeah. just a bit beige, and they yes. And that was the that was the era. Everyone wanted something from their relatives. That's you had to exploit yep. every sort of <laughs> little link you had to someone to try and get your children married off. Particularly if your children are plain looking beige children. There's also some of those classic ingredients like dog shenanigans. There's a, bl- you know, a hot air balloon. There is a hot air balloon. A hot there air is balloon. indeed a hot air balloon. It's the bit I always remember the most from yeah. that book. There's, will there, won't there be an elopement? There's balls. You name it, you've got it. And you've got a hero who combines being very stylish and very much having social weight with also being quite strong. But See, I think the big difference between, and it's where the, the archetypes of heroes, I think, falls down mm. in this comparison, where we yeah. put them in the boat. Yeah, the well, that's why I said they're not really the, the same. Because the big... The big difference is Alverstock has weight in society and is very well liked because he is a likable person. He's got a sense of humour. He's got a sense he's of humour. He's got humor, an inner he's kindness. He's, yeah, he's, even for all of his sort of dry poking fun at his family, it's the, yeah, all right, I'll throw a ball eventually, but it's the dragging the feet as a single man to get there to actually do it. Going, but oh, it's not. Uh. Yes, but, there's, but he still listens to his sisters who nag and are horrid. Whereas when you look at the Duke of Avon in These Old Shades, no one likes him. He has no friend. He Except really his has, brother. Oh, he has brother, one friend. one friend. But even that friend spends the whole first half of the book going to social engagements where they're like why are you friends with him again and he's like i don't really know so it's association i think that's really that's so important because that's how we how authors tell us what kind of people they are is by seeing not just the things they do and say but also how the world interacts and reacts yeah. to them yeah and Alverstoke has, you know, they mention the sort of ladies who are significant in society. They all look upon him with a sort of like, oh, oh, endearing sort of affectionate way. And that helps make you like this character. You also like that all of the characters can laugh at themselves, which they don't in these old shades. They take themselves incredibly seriously. In Frederica, they don't take themselves seriously. It's joyful. Alverstoke's sister that he actually likes turns up towards the middle of the book. And she helps everyone laugh at themselves. Yeah. And Frederica is spending the entire book taking control of her life in the only way society at that time allowed a woman to do so. And she takes chances and she, once you find a good thing, you don't let it go. So if he's the guy you've got to keep going back to for scrape after scrape for a bit, then that's what you do. (laughs) Yep. And they get on. They just get on. And that's, so 
they do have an age difference, the pair of those. He's 36, 37, and she's 23, 24. That's a pretty standard age difference but, in that era, though. Yeah. They do mention the age difference a couple of yeah, times, okay. but they directly address it by, you know, there are a couple times where Alva Stoke is reflecting, wondering what, the way that Frederica and her siblings look at him. Yeah, sure. And he is wondering, is it brotherly? Yes. Is it, God, God forbid, uncle <laughs> uncle <laughs> so you're able to sort of laugh about it but also because frederica is this highly responsible very grown up and mature character well, she has on to be because she's in charge and that's and the on par as well is that he is kind of directionless yeah and a bit aimless he has and no she purpose has, which is why he exactly. is happy to help in this full scrape. of purpose and so it works they just fit whereas the duke of avon in these old shades just wants to be adored and leone is just happy to literally sit at his feet and kiss his hand while he Does. rabbits on about things. Kiss his long white fingers. Yeah, it's mm. gross. For me, they're more modern characters. They're more mm. the kind of characters that I I guess I'm used to reading in Regency. Modern and that's, Regency that's one of the things that she contributed to the genre is a contemporary sensibility. Mm. So it's set in a very highly realised historical world that immerses us within that context. But the characters are, even though she was, she was writing 100 years ago, mm, so even from though us she, now, yes. she was writing a century ago, some of these books, they feel very modern, the characters. So we... I find they become more modern as she gets more into her, like, 1950s 1960s writing i think these old shades feels like the sentiments of a hundred years ago it does it was one of her early books Mm. there's a couple like um the talisman ring which is written in the 30s it's set in the same period but there's one character who's very naive and one character who's frederica-esque yes so okay so then to conclude would you i would absolutely recommend frederica i've read it a couple times in my life and the things that just give me so much delight are actually Felix and Jessamy, the younger brothers. Fair enough. They are, for being supporting characters who really aren't the central core of the story, they're so important to the narrative. They drive it and they bring you as a reader just this sense of delight and allow a lot of that comedy and the scrapes yeah. that Alva Stoke then gets entangled yes. in. And also it's important that they lead him into those as well so that we don't end up in this place where we're like, oh my God, Frederica, just get it together. Like, actually, what is wrong with you? Why can't you get your life together? So having younger brothers who she can be like, no, it's fine, I'll sort it out. And Alva Stoke's like, I'll help, it's fine. It just works. All the younger brothers who don't even bother going to Frederica, they just go go. take the problem straight to Alva Stoke and he's like, I'm sort of busy here. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It just makes me smile, reflecting on the narrative. Yeah, I would also highly recommend and for me it's it's a joyful romp that's why it's a book that makes me happy from the mm. very start to the very end i just feel happy and i'm happy that the characters get happy endings so there you have it these old shades maybe not <laughs> frederica absolutely <laughs> even yes. if you don't want to read every georgette hay i ever written because there are so many i would still recommend frederica as a standalone book you don't need to have read any of her other works you don't no. have to have read other regency you don't have to have a good knowledge of that historical time period i actually think sometimes those are easier to access books like frederica are easier to access than the ones that rely really heavily on the london marriage mart which i always think needs a little bit more introduction to understand there's a lot more assumed knowledge of that i can just say she's on the market or she's going to have a season in london and you'll know what i mean whereas i find 
Georgette Heyer's work, well, Frederica particularly, I feel like you can just pick it up without any context or background knowledge and it makes sense and the characters make sense and it's fun. If we've got you thinking, yes, I'm absolutely going to go pick up a copy of Frederica and you get hooked in the Georgette Heyer vibe, my picks... No, you're not allowed to play this game. No, because it's too long already. Yes, we can talk about them separately at a later date. My picks we'll talk about at a later date. (laughs) Yes, so that's it. Go out and read Frederica. If you feel like after our review, These Old Shades is your bag, please read it and let us know what you think. Yeah, I'd be really interested to hear in other people's opinions just about... Whether you liked it or not. I know, we're not being... Yeah, we're not being super intellectual about it. Next episode, join us again for more Trash and Treasure, where we we will give you spoiler-free reviews and recommendations for your next read that hopefully will become briefer and briefer over time if I can ever rein Amy in. I just love the book so much. Thanks for listening. Georgia High is the best. Especially if you're still listening. Except for these old shades. <laughs> See you next time. And just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you. We want your recommendations. The good, the bad, the interesting, doesn't matter. Please reach out, send us an email at trashortreasurepodcast at outlook.com. Or we are also available at the world's most awkward Twitter handle, which Amy has to tell you about. Listen it's, to our Twitter handle. It's the greatest. It's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? <laughs> and with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.